What's the difference between a viola and an onion? Dramatic pause. Well, no one cries when you cut up a viola, so the joke goes. My next two guests enjoy a joke about violas as much as the next person, maybe more, as they combine classical music appreciation and YouTube culture in a channel that's had more than 1.3 billion with a B views. Take a listen. Today, we are going to be doing the ultimate composer showdown. That's right. We have 16 composers from the classical canon, and today we're going to be putting them in one tournament. Brett Yang and Eddie Chen make up the Australian musical comedy duo Two Set Violin. G'day. Welcome to you. Uh, Thank you for having us. When people think about music and comedy, I I guess they might think of sort of funny or clever songs, which you have done, but you are more interested in exploring the culture in a light-hearted way, and your humour really isn't malicious. Tell me, at the core of classical music, is there humour? Well, viola and onion, so... uh... (laughs) Did I prove that point, did I? Yeah, point proven. No, I I think... Well, well, Mozart had his great classical um, comedic operas, the opera buffa. So definitely, um, even in the repertoire, you can see... I guess there has always been, in this day and age, just this idea that classical music is, you know, the serious villain in the movie plotting mm-hmm. how they're going to, you know, carry out their master scheme with some Bach playing gently in the background. <laughs> I, I, legit, I think I saw a movie the other day, I can't remember which one. It's, it's, it's always used in Hollywood as brooding. Yeah, mm, It's yeah. when the villain's brooding. Yes, exactly. That's so, yeah, that's a good way to put it, brooding. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah. A glass of scotch in front of an open fireplace. However, you say that there is humour, but there is, it's not self-depreciating humour like you seem to kind of tap into. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I guess it's self-depreciating, <laughs> but I, I, honestly, I think part of it is just kind of true as well. We're just... Look, we know that when we mess up and we won't play out of tune. Um, and I think, I guess, maybe one of the reasons our um, people resonated with what we do is, I guess, um, especially back a few years ago, it's changing now, but a few years ago, classical musicians really tried to maintain this perfect image of everything they captured on recording had to be like every single note was perfect. Flawless. Flawless, yeah. exactly. And that is what we strive for in our practice because, you know, we try to make every performance as good as we can make it. Um, but I guess with that was this culture where everyone was very afraid to be vulnerable and show the process of what it actually was like to be a musician. Um, and I don't think we ever planned it. It's not like we were brooding with scotch thinking, you know, we're going to... <laughs> create this self-deprecating humor we kind of just filmed ourselves and you know it was naturally imperfect and we laughed about it and joked about it but we found that people really resonated with it tell me about your character ling ling who is ling ling oh wow ling ling is like it's this character that first started from a video that we made it was a tiger asian mum. Mm. um eddie just said a few words he said ling ling does this ling ling does that and ling ling just became this fictional character that we all aspire to be this almighty prodigy that can practice 40 hours a day um, and do everything that we've always wanted to do and to make every asian parents proud mm. uh, so the kind of uh, kid that would have a tiger mum or dad mm. yeah uh, like uh, i think well i think it's more it's the kid that 
your tiger mom compares you to. Ah, yeah. that you're not quite as yeah. good as. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you never well, be as good as. Yeah. That was good, but it was no Ling Ling. Yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think we've all, everyone, that's a universal experience, right? Yeah. 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 Because there is this trope about Asian kids never living up to parents' expectations, the tiger mom kind of epithet. And you play on that occasionally. I don't imagine this style of music career was what your parents envisaged. What, what about your parents? What do they think of this? <laughs> I mean, Eddie has a funny story, but okay, yeah, yeah I, I can share mine. Um, my okay, so because it's true, you left you know very good positions at the Queensland Symphony and mm-hmm. Symphony Orchestras to pursue mm. a YouTube career in comedy and, and music. What, what are they? Would they understand it? Yeah, I mean, look, they're honest, they're supportive of it now. Um, you know, my mum watches our videos on YouTube now. She's super, super fan. Super so, user. Yeah, yeah <laughs> really, really user. supportive. Um, but definitely she did not understand it. Even like going right back or like the very early days picking up the violin, um, my mum would make me practice. I didn't want to practice, you know, because I was like six years old. And then later when I really wanted to get into it and was passionate about it. She was like, no, you have to do medicine. Uh, I'm like, mom, you're the one that told me to practice. And she's like, no, no, that's just, that's just to practice, but you're meant to be a doctor. And so I kind of rebelled against that. And then, you know, I was in uni and then I got uh, the job in the Queensland Symphony Orchestra. Um, and it wasn't a strict job. It was more like a contract thing. But uh, when I said I'd give that up, my mom was also like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Like, um, and it took a while, but I remember the turning point started, strangely enough, when I brought home our first official concert tour poster. And something about a physical poster, it made sense to her. Like the internet literal. doesn't make sense. It wasn't as abstract as all these views and these unknown people. She can show this to her friends. Yes. yes. This is my yes. son. Did yeah. you know? On a poster. In the good room. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. Yeah. yeah. They show the friends. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it didn't matter how many views or subs we had. She didn't understand that. But when she saw the poster, she was like, okay. It's it, good. This is a thing. Yeah. Um, and, and what about your parents? I mean, are they coming around? I mean, you, you're in the middle of another world tour at the moment. Does this resonate with your parents? Oh, for sure. I think the internet just never made sense for the longest time. And then until they started seeing concerts, they started believing that, oh, wow, this is an actual career you're making yourself mm. go through. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I see the views, subscribers, that this is what the internet can do these days. Um and I just remembered, Eddie, as you were saying, when I started violin, side tangent, you know, Asian parents, target Asian parents, they always send you to after-school classes because they want you to get ahead. So like maths tutoring, English tutoring, chemistry, anything, every any course, right? And I had so many of those that practicing the violin was my escape. And I actually used that excuse a lot to get away from a lot of classes. Oh, really? And all my studies. I I just remembered it yesterday. Yeah, a safe space. It's a safe space, and I was I'm practicing, and I remember I had these tricks up my sleeve. I mean, I don't recommend this to everyone. I <laughs> had my Game Boy. Do you remember the Game Boy mm. Color? And the, mm. yeah, I said I had it there, mm. and I practiced for like ten minutes, and I pulled out the Game Boy and played for ten minutes, <laughs> and I practiced another ten minutes. So it feels like I've been practicing for thirty minutes, and I just kept this routine. Mm. And somehow it kind of made me practice and then my mom just left me at it. So it became a thing. This word practice uh, appears on your merchandise, some of which is sold out. Talk, talk to me about that. What, what does it mean? I mean, is it tongue in cheek or is it making fun of your parents or what does it mean? 
I mean, I think it's just something that's really at the core of what. I mean, I guess what we believe in as well, um, and it's something that we really value. We think um, learning a musical instrument uh, teaches us is that um, ability to persevere and practice a craft and try to improve yourself um, is something that we believe has given massive value into our lives, and it's just a really good thing that we really resonate with. We think the communicate uh, the community resonates with and it kind of embodies a lot of what we do so you know i mean in the beginning we'll just tell our viewers to go practice at the end of every video and then we decided to put it on you know some of our two set apparel and people loved it and yeah i think what we try to do with our apparel is i mean rather than just typical merch where we just put like two set violin on like sapin on t-shirt we really try to see if we can create like a little brand that embodies what it is like to be a musician and something that we can proudly represent. And it's super cool. Like some of our apparel doesn't, you wouldn't even necessarily know it's two set apparel. It's just like, a, you know, beautiful artwork of, let's say, Debussy Le Maire. You have to know to, to mm. know. I, I get that. It's a bit codified. Yeah, yeah. And But it's really cool when we go to um, classical music concerts and uh, not even necessarily our concerts and we see people and musicians wear it. So it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. You've met and played with some pretty incredible artists. You've asked them to do some pretty silly stuff uh, like violinist Hilary Hahn. You got her to hula hoop whilst you're playing. Uh, mm. You're obviously pretty persuasive. Do you, do, do you think sometimes they're relieved to be able to have fun? I mean, I can't speak on behalf of them, but when we make these videos together, they we, we have a great time. Everyone has a great time. And I feel like for the audiences, it's also really refreshing to see that side of them because I feel like in the classical music world, definitely soloists, are, you know, they seem to be the pinnacle. This is perfect figure. Everything that they do is at the highest level, right? So they can't do what normal people do. Mm. And so part of our videos somehow, I mean, they're also really cool sports to jump on board. Um, we have fun and it's almost a relief to hear and see them do these videos. It makes them feel like they're more human as well. Like we're all the same. Mm. Um, they just had, you know, their gifts and practice really hard to get to where they are as well. So. If you just join me, Brett Yang and Eddie Chen of musical comedy duo Two Set Violin are with me. Of course, you've got to spend some time playing some beautiful uh, bits of, of kit, Stradivarius violins made in 1708. What's it like to hold something with that much history and that much culture, I suppose? You definitely feel a sense of responsibility um, because there's so much history behind this instrument and actually most of the strats have names behind it, right? And... You hear so much about it, how how great the instrument is. So there's a sense of responsibility to do it justice and play it well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also f the feeling. Oh, I'm trying to find the word, but it's definitely really inspirational. So do you play better because of that history? Is that what you're saying? Do you feel your fingers moving more swiftly? Oh, they move your, faster. Your, your, they your move memory, more accurate. Yes, your, your yes. memory for the notes. Yeah, yeah. I and absorb the all the skills of all the previous <laughs> artists that were on the instrument. Sounds like a Spider-Man origin story, but you've, you've got the idea of of well. Maybe it's placebo then, but it works. I mean, if it works, it works, right? I mean, uh, objectively, the instrument does sound amazingly beautiful too. I think one of the um, mysteries of violin making that is kind of different to say the world of piano is 
with piano instruments, they they've managed to really standardize the quality of these instruments. But with uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brett, but with violin, for whatever reason, the I guess the formula for these great masters back in the day never fully translated and got passed down. And so, like there have been many attempts to try and recreate the quality of the sound of a Stradivarius violin, um, but it's just not quite the same. And so when we play it. I mean, there's many theories like maybe the wood and the climate back in the day versus today is different. Um, but yeah, when we play, it, you find that the Stradivarius it responds differently to the touch, and it also there's a lot more complexity to the sound. It's not so. You're saying it's more somehow human and therefore flawed, like the sort of rougher edges or the nuances that you need to know to get to used used to playing. Oh, human, yes. I wouldn't necessarily say flawed. I'd say there's just more dimensions to the sound. It's a bit more like, I mean, I'm not really a wine drinker, but I'm just using this metaphor because I imagine that's what it is. Like an old wine, I'd assume, has much more depth of flavor than a wine that was just like recently made. I think it's a similar concept. And, and I'll add to that. Um, when we first play the Strad, it's almost like you're not used to it yet. So after you spend time with it, you start understanding the complexities of the sound. Then you really hear the difference when you go back to your own instrument. So it's almost like our ears developed as we were playing on the Stradivarius. And that was the most fascinating moment. You know, mm. do you remember when we got, first got the Strad, played it for a while, right? Mm. We're like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's, it's a little bit tricky to play, but it's okay. It's nice. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But after a month with it, wow, went back to our original instruments. That difference was like, yeah, like it was white. Big. It, was, yeah. it was big. Yeah. Tell me, you got on the wrong side of the K-pop girl band Blackpink <laughs> and their fan base, more particularly. What gross injustice did you put upon the fan base of Blackpink? I don't know. I just made made a song. And that's about it. Um, to this day, I'm not too sure what happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a blur. <laughs> we just made a video and it all is this wave thing came out to us. I was like, whoa. Of course, K-pop fans, are, you know, tribalistic in, in one sense mm. and protective in another. Mm. So were you, were, you, were you mucking with the formula, were you? Well, I guess, um, you know, like, again, our channel, we're just finding, uh, we're always finding fun, entertaining ways to share about the art form as well as our values. And so in this one, we kind of, I guess, this, the idea is um, these composers, um, they, historic composers, they were time-traveled into the modern-day era. And uh, for whatever reason, they formed this boy band. And so the, the main band is... Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, Shostakovich, but Paganini appears every now and then as a special character. Yeah. And it just so happens that Blackpink released a song that sampled Paganini's La Campanella. Um, and they sampled it in a way which, I mean, like, whatever, like it's pop music, but from a classical musician's perspective, it was quite uninspiring, let's <laughs> say. <laughs> and so, you know, we just we thought it would be funny to have Paganini, you know, in his modern day, uh, kind of do his own version of the song and in that process kind of share his thoughts on 
the mo- the the state of modern pop music <laughs> from his perspective, you know. Yeah. And, and Mozart was the the prankster, yeah. knowing his character in the past. Yes, that got Paganini into this uh, whole <laughs> scheme. <laughs> this yeah. has the potential to isolate you from not only the Korean uh, K-pop fans but also classical music fans at the yeah. same. Which I gather there is the reason why you were doing it. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Brett and Eddie, you really bring um, both humour but sincerity to your passions. Brett Yang and Eddie Chen of musical and comedy duo Two Set Violin have been my guests. They're in the middle of a world tour. Check online for details. Great to meet you both. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.